0: As you remain standing for a moment, would you mind opening up to Joshua chapter 1? Joshua chapter 1. It's a little harder to find than your normal book of the Bible. It's the sixth book of the Old Testament. So it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then you'll find Joshua. Uh, If you have your phone, it's a lot easier or, of course, it'll be on the screen. So I'll give you one second and we're going to read Joshua chapter 1. starting in verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Moses, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you do this, your way will be prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. You may be seated. So, White Oak, I I gotta be honest with you, right from the start, this is about as opposite as you can get from a Valentine's Day sermon, and I'm very sorry for that. The book of Joshua is probably one of the most bloodiest books in the entire Bible. There is war. There is conquest. There is espionage. There's courage. There's hailstones falling from the sky. There are all these amazing things that happen in this book. It is a book about people living out their faith. It's about faith in action. There's valor and heroism. There's courage and there's strength. You see, one amazing thing about the Bible is that it doesn't just tell us to live by faith. It gives us stories of people who inspire us by their faith. It doesn't just tell us that God is great. It gives us demonstrations of his greatness. And if you came here with like a small view of God, I honestly hope to blow your mind today. Because the God that we are going to encounter in this book of Joshua is a powerful and an almighty God. A God who will defy the laws of physics in order to fulfill his promises. This is the God that we encounter in this book. The book's not primarily about Joshua or the people of Israel. It's about God. Our God. And what he is willing and capable of doing and coming to pass. We see in this book a God whose word is more sure than the setting sun, and that's not just poetic imagery. That is literally a God's word is more sure than the setting sun, and this has incredible implications for your life and for my life today. So we'll take a step back as we've been going through the Old Testament, we've been learning about this nation called Israel, right? And so Israel starts when God calls a man named Abram, he renames him Abraham, and he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. So God picks this guy a couple thousand years ago, whatever, more than that, and he says, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. He says, not only that, but I'm going to give this nation a homeland, And we would call that modern-day Israel. It's probably a little bigger than modern-day Israel. And so if you... Just so you know where we're talking about, because we're going to talk about, like, land and taking land. If you think about Europe, go to the Mediterranean Sea, take a right. That's where we're talking about, just to give you some perspective. So he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. He says, I'm going to give you a homeland. And he promises to give this nation, like, a unique purpose in blessing the world, right? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And that ultimately comes through Jesus Christ. But this is what God says to Abraham. So the first few books of the Bible follow Abraham and his descendants. And it's kind of like their lives, right? So it follows them around, kind of where they go. And good things happen to them, right? But bad things also happen. Like, they get enslaved by the Egyptian empire, Right? And they're slaves there for a long, long time. And then God miraculously raises up this guy named Moses. And Moses, or God through Moses, does like all these plagues on Egypt, basically brings Egypt to its knees. Like the greatest empire of the time, this like little group of people through God brings them to their knees. And so Moses leads the people out of Egypt and he's leading them toward this promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham that he would give his descendants. And so they're standing on the precipice of this land in a spectacular display of sin and doubt. The people of the time look out in the land. They see that there's people living there like warriors, stronger men than they, and they are afraid of these people. So they decide not to go into the land. And so an entire generation of Israelites perish in the wilderness. But White Oak, today we are going to read about a new generation of men and women. A generation that was radically different than their parents. We're going to read about Joshua and this next generation of Israelites who trusted in a God who always delivers on his promises. And what I hope to do for you today is to show you that by, in this book, by seeing the promise that God has made to Abraham and fulfilled in this book, that if we can trust God with this promise All the promises of the Bible will come to pass. And this is what we so desperately need in the world today. People who will take God at his word. At his sure and perfect word. If you trust God's promises, you are untouchable. Nothing can phase you. And this is what I hope to bring to you today. The stories are in the Bible to help us learn what it looks like to walk by faith in God. And I think sometimes, if you remember from like Sunday school or whatever, it's like we read about these people and we have the advantage of knowing both the end of their story and the beginning of their story. We can read like the whole thing at once. But we can't forget that like these are people just like us, right? They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, just like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They have to live by faith. Like us, they have to trust in God without knowing what happens next. And so this kind of brings us to the story. Let me set the scene for you. So Joshua starts out with Moses as the greatest spiritual and military leader that the world had ever known. He's dead. An entire generation of Israelites have fallen in the wilderness. And they stand at the precipice of this land, and they're promised this land, and they're like looking at their enemies, and they have a choice to make. Are they going to be like their parents and disbelieve God? Or are they going to take the land by faith? This is the choice that Joshua opens up for us. So Israel needs a capable leader if they're going to conquer the land. Moses is gone. And so we're going to talk a little bit about taking this land. And there are people living on the land. I kind of just want to spend a second on it. We don't have that much time. But as we read some of these stories, we read about how the Israelites go to war. And they, there's like death and there's destruction. And God orders them to do these kind of things. And for our modern sensibilities, it's kind of tough to stomach, right? Like we don't, you know, we don't go around thinking about like battles and like war and like killing people. It's, it's, kind of, it's hard for us to see this in the Old Testament. But make it very clear um, that God is a righteous judge. Make it very clear that these people who were living in the land were very violent people. They were people who had some very like sick practices. Like they would burn their children in the fire. They would do these like crazy things. And they were always enemies to Israel. All throughout Israel's history, kind of like these people would be going out, like making war with them. They are uh, painted in the Bible as Israel's enemies. And so we have to trust God at his word that what he was doing was righteous and just. So God has appointed Joshua for this great task. And we don't know very much about, uh, I guess, Joshua. There's some background. You can read it in Exodus if you want. We're not going to get too much into it. But John Piper calls Joshua a warrior mystic. Like, I wish people would call me a warrior mystic. That's probably not, like, the vibe people get when they see me. But, like, that's what I wish I were described as, like, warrior mystic. Like, we can assume he grew up in Egypt with the people who were, like, enslaved, right? And he probably saw, like, the amazing things that God had done, like, through the plagues and through parting the Red Sea and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But the first we hear about him is in Exodus chapter 17 when Moses commands him to go out and fight some of Israel's enemies. So the first thing we hear about him, he's this mighty man of valor. He is a war hero. And the second time we hear about him, he joins Moses on Mount Sinai when he met with God. So on the one hand, Joshua is like no wuss, right? He will cut some people down. But on the other hand, he really likes to spend time with God. He likes to be in the presence of God. So he has this like mystic warrior thing going on. As Piper says, his knees were as calloused as his hands. And so if you'll go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, uh, let's see what God tells this new leader to do. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. So finally, God is going to fulfill a 400 year old promise to give these people a homeland. And Joshua and the people are faced with this choice are we going to believe God, or are we going to be like our parents? This is a choice that all of us as believers in God face every single day. Are we going to trust him with his promises or are we going to go our own way because we fear and we doubt? And this sets us up for the book of Joshua. So going into like lecture mode, just really quick, I'm not going to stay there very long, but if you're taking notes, you can break the book into three major sections. And I kind of, I'm going to put them up here on the screen hopefully, but part one deals with Israel entering into the land. That's kind of the first few chapters of Joshua Israel enters the land. The second part of Joshua is Israel taking the land. You've got lots of battles. You've got good things happen, bad things happen, but ultimately they take the land. The third part is Israel basically dividing up the land amongst all the people, living in it, and serving God. Very simple outline. Enter the land, take the land, live in the land. So if you know that, you probably know more than a lot of people about the book of Joshua. So well done. Put yourself a pat on the back. But this is the book kind of as an overview. So I want to take like just two stories in the book and then we'll start doing some application. But these stories are like too good to pass up. And I think they're going to show us how amazing God is. So in Joshua 1, God calls Joshua to assume command of Israel. So he's a new commander. And the first thing he does is a pretty logical move. He sends two spies into the country. I always hate this part of the story because I wanted to be a spy. Like when I was younger, that's like not a joke I just threw in here. I literally wanted to, I've applied to the CIA before. Like that's a, that's a real thing I have done. Um, did not get selected, but it's okay. Um, but I, I wanted to be a spy when I was younger. And so I can kind of, I like this part of the story. It's espionage. So they go into the land and they find this place called Jericho. And the good news about Jericho is it's kind of, if you're a, like military war buff or history buff, uh, is anyone. Probably not. Okay, John. Thanks. Um, so, if you're a history buff, Jericho is kind of in the center of the region, so it, it would make a perfect uh, like outpost or command center for Joshua's campaign, right? So he takes the city in the middle, and once he has that city, then he can take the north. He basically cuts the region right in half. So that's the good news. The bad news is that the city is protected by a huge wall. Now remember, this isn't exactly like Call of Duty modern warfare. This is like ancient Israel, right? So they're fighting with a little limited weaponry. So if you're a city and you have a huge wall, you're basically protected. So the spies go into the city, they sneak in, and they end up staying in the house of a woman called Rahab. And I guess they weren't the best spies in the world because word gets out that they're there, and the king of Jericho asks Rahab, she's like, hey, I want you to take these spies, bring them to me. So if I were a spy, I'd probably be better than them, but oh well. So plot thickens, right? The king of Jericho orders her to turn over the spies. But as we're going to see in Joshua, God was with the people. So this very woman that they stayed with turns out, she turns to them and she says, I've heard about your God. I've heard about the things he's done in Egypt. I heard about the way that he led you through the wilderness. All the people in this land are in fear of you, but they refuse to turn and repent and turn to your God, but I want to do that. So this woman named Rahab becomes like this symbolic reminder that God accepts everyone who comes to him, regardless of who they are. So back to the story. So in exchange for getting them out of the city, she asks that you know, they please protect her whenever the Israelites come and take it, and they agree to do that. They go back to Joshua, and they bring a report. So if you would, flip over a couple of pages to chapter 6, uh, verse 1. Honestly, we're just going to read it because I can't do it better myself. So I'm just going to let them tell the rest of the story. So Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. This is what happens after the spies come back. They say, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Then you shall do this for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow, blow the trumpets. And when they made a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before them. Okay, here's the scene. You've got Israel, you've got the mighty men of valor. Their hands are like itching on their blades, ready to go to battle. And God's like, no no, 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 don't draw your swords yet. I want you to go out there. I want you to just march around the city and then go make camp. And the people are kind of like, okay. And then God's like, oh yeah, by the way, I want you to do this every day for six days. And then go make camp. Don't attack them or anything like that. Just march around the city. People are like, okay. And then God's, oh yeah, by the way, on the seventh day, I just want you to just march around the city seven times and then make a great shout. And then see what happens. It's like, huh, okay. So I try to draw it out because this is the first time that, that the people have, like have to make a choice. Are they going to trust God or are they going to doubt him? Are they going to trust God or won't they? Is God going to come through for them? Or is this going to be the most embarrassing military blunder the world has ever known? Is this going to be on, like, History Channel, top ten military blunders to have ever happened, comes on late at night, whatever. We're going to see this today. The good news is they go for it. And each step around the wall was just another step of faith. And, you know, as I read this story, it just, like, makes me think that, like, sometimes God, like, calls us to do these, like, crazy things. But just because it seems, like, ludicrous or just because it seems, like, ridiculous doesn't mean that God is doing something amazing through it. And so the Israelites follow God's command, and then by faith they march around the city, and miraculously the walls of the city fall. Verse 20 says, As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Victory. The battle was won before they had even drawn their swords. The battle belongs to God and to God alone, and God was determined to fulfill his promise. Very quickly, one more story. The story doesn't end there, right? So they've taken this command center. They've taken the central post of Jericho. But there's still people there. There's still other kings. There's still other armies. So they have this central location. But God has not fulfilled his promise to give them the whole land. So Joshua goes on and they take some land and they make mistakes along the way. But for the most part, things are going well. That is until five kings basically join forces into a mega army to defeat Israel once and for all. And so Joshua sets up the scene of like an epic showdown between these five kings, more powerful, more people, more men of valor, versus this fledgling nation. It's a showdown between their gods and the God of Israel. And if you would read our, our last passage, if you turn to chapter 10, starting in verse 7, let's see what happens. Israel is faced with another choice. Will they trust God or will they cower in fear like their parents did? So let's read chapter ten, starting in verse seven. It says, Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. Oh yeah, by the way, there's going to be a lot of random names and stuff in here, places and stuff. You don't need to know that. I need to know that for a seminary test, but for your normal everyday life, you don't need to know the names. Don't worry about it. So just skip right over. I'm going to say them the best I can. Starting back in verse 7. Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and traced them by way of the ascent of beth and struck them as far as Ezekah and Makedah. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth-haron, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven at them as far as Ezekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hellstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, "Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon." And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven, and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. This is either one of those stories you believe or don't believe. If you don't believe in a God who created physics and therefore commands all physics, then that's one thing. But if you do believe in that God... Think about the implications for your life. You know, as we talk about these stories and as we try to move to application, I, I know that maybe you don't care about what happened to a civilization thousands of years ago. Like, how does that affect our life today? That's a tough question sometimes. Like, for me, I just want to have a job that I kind of enjoy and that I can keep. Like, some of you struggling with marriage, you got, like, putting food on the table. These are the things that really... Um, concern us in this day and age so reading about a, a, a random wall falling in a random city like thousands of years ago it's very difficult to make that connection how does a city wall falling down build up your faith white oak i know that these days we don't need city walls to fall we don't need like seas to part in front of us we got cars But we do need the God who can do these things. We do need a God who can show up in powerful ways and transform lives with his magnificent power. And there's a lot of bridges from this story into your life, but just one bridge that I want to draw out as we close is this amazing truth that we can take from this story. That God delivers on his promises absolutely, always, 100%, without fail, guaranteed, every time. Let me beat a dead horse. Let me say it one more time. God delivers on his promises absolutely, always, 100%, without fail, guaranteed, every single time. This is the God that we serve, and this is the God that we are called to. This story about God is, is, is about God making good on a promise to Abraham, Moses, and Joshua. And if a good God makes good on just one promise, he will make good on all of his promises— That is the power of this story in our lives. God made good on this promise, and he makes good on all of his promise. Like the Bible is gloriously filled with God's promises to us. Promises like the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Do you believe that? Promises like God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. Do you believe that? Promises like, for the Lord is God and he is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you believe that? And Most of all, through Jesus Christ, promises like, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Why do you believe that? We are not talking about a little God. The Bible says our God roars from Zion. He holds the heavens and the earth in his hands. He makes the earth spin on its axis and he will make the earth stop spinning on its axis. He makes walls crumble. He parts seas. He commands the weather. He will do whatever it takes to fulfill his promises to us. And he will do whatever it takes to destroy our enemies. And our greatest enemy is our own sin. Our sin keeps us from going into the promised land. Our sin builds walls between us and God. Our sin keeps us wandering in the wilderness when we're supposed to be living a life of purpose and peace in God himself. Sin is our greatest enemy. And God sent Jesus Christ doing the impossible, becoming a man as the solution to that problem. You see, Jesus coming and living on the earth, living this flawless life, dying on the cross for our sin, taking God's wrath off of us and putting it onto him. In doing that, he unleashed the greatest promise that is in the Bible, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. You see, if you can trust this story, this promise, then you can trust all promises in the Bible. This is the application for us today. I don't know what city walls are in your life, I know there are a lot of mine but we worship a God who is able to overcome those walls. I pray that y'all would live in gospel wonder this week. I pray that we would be people who walk by faith and are able to see God work in amazing and incredible ways. Let me pray that over you and over us. Dear Heavenly Father Father We read these stories about Joshua, and we read these stories of you doing these amazing things. And honestly, Lord, sometimes it's hard to believe. Lord, our, our like, Western secularism, it it gets into our minds, Lord, and we, we find it hard to believe that you can do these miraculous things. But, Lord, we trust you at your word Lord, we trust that you have done the most impossible thing by sending Jesus Christ into the world to be our place. To take our sins from us and give us life with you forever. Father, I pray over each and every person in this room. I don't care where they've come from or what they've done this week or what they're going to do this next week, Lord. I pray that they would live in gospel wonder, walking by faith in a God who keeps all his promises. Be with these people, Father, just as you were with Israel. We love you, we trust you, and we surrender our walls to you. It's the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.